Welcome to the Revo Podcast. Revo Church is one church in multiple locations with a vision to spark a revolution of life change through Jesus. We hope to accomplish this through our core values of love big, serve hard, live bold, grow deep, and move forward. For more information on our service times and locations, please visit our website at discoverrevo.com. Why is it like that, man? It's always like that. You, you, one of my favorite Christmas songs is um, It's the Most Wonderful Time of the Year. You guys want me to sing it? It's the mo- No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I'll spare you of that. Uh, it's, it's funny because it really is. It, it's, for me at least, it's one of the most wonderful times of the year. But there are some other words that, that you could put in that, that line as well. It is uh, the most stressful time of the year. It is the, the busiest time of the year. It is the most overwhelming time of the year. For some people, let's just be honest, we, we love it, we love this season, we love to be a part of it, but for some people, this time of the year is, is a struggle. It can be a very stressful time of the year. The holidays in general can be stressful. Uh, people are often busier during the holidays, and so we, we struggle juggling the responsibilities that we normally have uh, with our work job and our personal obligations and parties and everything that's going on, and it creates more and more stress. Uh, this time of year can be a financially stressful time. Between presents and traveling and, and everything extra that we do, it can really put a strain on our wallets, and we find ourselves in a tough spot later on in the year. Uh, while, while generally speaking, uh, holidays are a, a time of great joy for people, holidays often come uh, with a time of unrealistic expectations. Uh, I don't know if you have a neighbor that uh, is an over-decorator, uh, is what I call them, uh, but sometimes there's a little, uh, little competition, and, and you look at their house, and, and their lights, and their inflatables, and, and, and their social media, and you're just like, man, I just, like, mine is not... Mine is not like that. Like, I got a burned out floodlight in my, like, I don't have extra lights. The lights I have all year don't work. And, uh, like, it, it, just, it just makes you feel inadequate. And I don't know if maybe your family is like this, but have you been getting the Christmas cards with the family photos on it? Doesn't that just make you sick, right? <laughs> These perfect families, daggum it, man. Like, it's the pictures, everybody's matching, and everyone's hair is perfect, and, and the background is totally perfect. And, and, and if we're not careful, we can, we can get those cards in the mail that are, that are all uh, photoshopped and, and everybody looks great. And, and we can begin to think that everyone else's life is totally put together. And we turn around and look at our house and our life and our front porch and our kids. And, and we think, man, it seems like everyone has it together except for me. And there's this idea that we're not living up to the standard and we're not as, as good as everyone else around us. It can be a a stressful time where we have to deal with those things during this time of year. It seems like everyone else is happy, but we can sometimes be the odd one out. The holidays are also stereotypically a time where we get to connect with with friends and family and, and people come in from out of town or maybe you go and visit people from out of town. But there's also people in this room where uh, this will be the first Christmas where you'll have an, an empty chair at the table. When everyone else is enjoying their family and friends, um, you will be missing one for the very first time. In a season that's supposed to be joyful and and great and holly and jolly, uh, you might be struggling a little bit. And that empty seat at the table begins to rehash these feelings of grief and and loss. And all of those feelings and emotions begin to, to come back for us and 
can re-trigger those feelings that we thought we dealt with that we're actually still struggling with. I want to talk about an aspect of the Christmas story uh, that that maybe not too many people consider. And it has to do with, uh, arguably, uh, second to Jesus, the most popular, the most well-known character in all of the story, Mary. Mary, the mother of Jesus, even though uh, if you look at at pictures of Mary today, maybe uh, on your nativity or statues of Mary or paintings of Mary, it's interesting to see uh, how great Mary always looks, right? You ever notice how Mary's makeup is always perfect? Her hair is always just like the perfect shape and every little hair is, is in place on her head. It seems like Mary was having the perfect life, especially after Christmas. And I can tell you, being the father of, a, of two daughters, um, I, I don't think, I know your nativity scene looks like Jesus was just born and Mary looks perfect like a supermodel or something, but women don't look like that right after they give birth. It's not real, especially if you give birth in a barn. Uh, you can imagine what that was really like. It's not as put together and perfect as everyone would like to think. And I want to look at this aspect of Mary and, 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 and what she went to go through. I don't know if people think about it. Sometimes over Christmas and, and when you read the Christmas story, it's easy to think about the, the physical toll that Mary would have undergone at this time. I mean, think back at the story. Uh, she's nine months pregnant and, and we see her riding on a donkey 90 miles to Bethlehem at nine months pregnant. Have you ever met a woman that's nine months pregnant? Like the women I've been around, they can't even get up off the couch without groaning and moaning. Like they're, they're walking like this with their hips and, every, and like they're just waddling and, and everything hurts and it's, it's awful and why won't this baby come out and you did this to me and like, oh, I've been there. But yet this girl is riding on the back of a donkey at nine months pregnant. That's, that's a tall feat right there. Swollen, hurting, needs to put her feet up, and, and here she is on the road. People might think of that emotional, uh, that physical strain. Also, the emotional toll on Mary would have been heavy. I mean, think about the story. This is a young teenager that finds out she's pregnant, and worst of all, she is getting ready to have her first child 90 miles away from all of her family and friends. Mary's mom and dad would not have been there when she gave birth. She didn't even get to give birth in a hospital with doctors and nurses. She gave birth in a stable with her husband. And as a husband that has been in the hospital during the birth session, I can tell you husbands are completely worthless during this process. I've told you guys this story before, but when my first daughter was born, I was at the head of the bed looking at Elizabeth, and I I don't know if there was no color in my face or what was happening because Elizabeth is in the middle of pushing, and the doctor looks over at me and said, Sir, are you going to be okay? Like, do you need to sit down? And in between pushes, Elizabeth's like, Yes, sir, are you going to be okay? Do you want to be more comfortable? Anything I can do to help you? Take a load off. I'll do all the work, right? I mean, I was getting ready to pass out. So I know Joseph was completely useless. In fact, if you want to go home to your nativity scene, you can take Joseph and lay him on his back because that's what it would have looked like. No way Joseph is surviving that. No way. And so Mary, having to do this alone without family friends, imagine the emotional toll that it would have taken on her. But there's one aspect of Mary's life that I think very few people consider. And it's the mental toll that this whole first Christmas would have taken on this young teenage girl. 26% of American adults suffer from a diagnosable mental 
illness disorder in the United States today. If you're between the age of eight, uh, 15 and 44, which everyone in this room is, I'm being mighty generous with some of you, but uh, if you fit into that category, um, did you know the number one mental health issue that people in our age bracket deal with is anxiety and depression? And this holiday season can be extremely difficult for, for some people. Thousands of Christians in the U.S. were polled, and they were asked this question, what is the one subject that you wish pastors and churches in America would address more? Do you know what the second most popular answer was? Mental health. How should pastors, how should Christians, how should churches address the idea of mental health? Because you know, I don't know if you've been to churches and heard pastors talk about this, but people are all over the place. I've heard pastors say, well, the reason why you're struggling with anxiety and depression and mental health is you don't have enough faith. It's not a mental issue. It's a spiritual issue. Like you just don't believe. And if you're struggling with it, you need to just believe more or believe harder or believe again. It's nobody's fault but your own. You don't need to take medicine. You don't need to go to a counselor. You just don't believe in God enough. Crazy. So what does the Bible say? How can we respond to an issue? And, and if statistics are true, then that means over a quarter of the people that are in this room right now find themselves in the midst of a struggle with a, a mental illness that is taking a toll on you every single day. And it even gets worse during the holiday season and during this time of year. So I want to take a look at the Christmas story from maybe an angle that you've never considered. And look at the life of Mary and see how a young girl would have carried this huge news that dropped on her. Not from an emotional or a relational or a physical standpoint, but the mental approach that this would have taken on, on Mary. I mean, just, just look how the story unfolds in, in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. It says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now imagine being a 12, 13-year-old teenage girl and getting that news. Here's how Mary responded. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But, but the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. Out of nowhere, Mary is hit with an impossible situation. She is given news that she is not going to be able to carry on her own. Her life would flip upside down in one instant when that angel opened his mouth and gave the news to Mary. And scripture says that as soon as she heard it, she was greatly troubled. Imagine the weight that this young girl would have had to bear on her own. Obviously, it scared her to death because the angel even recognized it. The angel, as soon as the angel told Mary that, he had to look at Mary and say, Mary, do not fear. Do not be afraid. Do you know the people that you have to tell do not fear? The people that are fearful. It must have been so bad on Mary's face that the angel just had to look at Mary and say, all right, whoa, 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 whoa. calm down, calm down. Don't be afraid. Say, 
breathe with me, okay? Breathe. So it's going to be like, look, look, Mary, 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 calm down. Don't be afraid. I know that's big news. I know that's a heavy burden. I know that for a young teenage girl, for you just to be hit with that, that that is a weight that you aren't anticipating and that you cannot seem to bear yourself. So calm, like, hey, whoa, calm down. Take a deep breath. Listen. Listen to what God's plan is. And Mary hit with some news that just came out of nowhere. Verse, verse 34, Mary does what everybody in this room would have done. She starts asking some big questions. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I'm still a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. What did Mary do when she got hit with that news? She started asking some big questions. What? How? Why? Why me? Why now? What about my dreams? What about my plans? What about what I wanted to do with my life? What about what I was thinking this was going to all be about? What about all this thing that I've put together and, and these things that Joseph and I have worked for and, and saving myself my whole life? Like, what, what is going on here? Mary gets hit with that. And I know we, we got we to gotta take ourselves out of our current culture because the culture that Mary is in is very different than our culture. If Mary got this news, it would have been full-blown panic attack time for Mary. Because our, our culture is very different. Today, almost half of the babies that are born in the U.S. are born to single moms. So it's not unusual at all for a baby to be born to a woman that's not married. But first century in the Middle East... That's a death sentence. I mean, culturally, socially, you will be an outcast. In a world that where a lot of the Middle East is still true to this day, in a world where a woman's worth is measured by whether or not she was a virgin, when all of a sudden you have a child out of wedlock, and you may be saying, well, yeah, but Nathan, she's still a virgin. Good luck explaining that to other men in Mary's circles that, that might be interested in a future relationship, this was over for Mary. Her family would have out, just pushed her out. You are a complete embarrassment to us, Mary. You didn't do it right. No man would be interested in her. Like She wouldn't know how to financially provide for herself. She would have no family. She would have no home. Like This is big news for Mary to process in that moment. An unwed teenage girl getting pregnant meant that you were completely outcast. That would change everything about your life. In fact, the Bible tells us how serious this would have been for Mary. Back in Matthew chapter 1, here's, here's how the, the story unfolds. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Mary would have known, that is what is facing me, complete 
public disgrace. I will be divorced by my husband in a court of law publicly. And essentially, Joseph had the right to sue Mary and take everything she had. Now, again, unfortunately, in America, 50% of marriages end in divorce today. So when we hear the word divorce, we're like, eh, you know, no big deal. Just start over. Not so for Mary. If you were not a virgin that could be married to a man, you were useless. You were considered trash in this culture. And Mary has all of that, all of those feelings, all of that reality hits her in one moment. I know we like to think when the angel came down, everything was holly and jolly and joyful. But this would have been a weight that Mary could not bear on her own. Now, no one in this room has ever been visited by an angel and told that as a virgin, you are now pregnant and going to give birth to the Messiah. That's not your story. If that is your story, I'd like to introduce you to some counselors. We can hook you up after the service and let you work through that. But just because that's not your story doesn't mean that we can't learn from what Mary is going through, what's unfolding in front of her right, right now. You and I, know what it feels like to wake up one day and your world totally changes. Where all of a sudden you are now carrying a weight that you were not prepared for, that you did not see coming, but now you are the one that's holding it. Maybe it's similar to Mary. You remember that when you found out if you have kids, when you, when you finally got your kid home, I remember that. Like in the hospital, the, the nurses and the doctors take care of everything and, and they show you how to feed the baby and burp the baby and change the diaper and get their legs in and out of the onesie without unzipping the whole thing. And like, it's great. They, they wheeled Elizabeth in the wheelchair down. They wouldn't even let Elizabeth walk. They wheeled her to the wheelchair to the front door. I had my SUV parked at the front door. They checked to make sure I had the car seat in correctly. They taught me how to put the baby inside the car seat and how to buckle it. Everything was done for us very early on. But I can remember the day when we walked out of the hospital and that nurse turned around with the wheelchair and she waved her hand and she said, congrats, good luck. (laughs) And I am on the way home realizing I'm getting ready to go into a house with my wife and newborn daughter and I have no clue what is getting ready to happen. I don't know how to do anything. Maybe for some of you, you got some bad news this year. Maybe you lost a family member and the news was just dropped in your lap and now all of a sudden you're carrying something that is too much. Uh, Maybe you got a report from a doctor and he gave you a medical word that you never thought you would hear in your life and all of a sudden that changes everything. One day can change your life. We all know what it's like to be handed something that weighs on us tremendously that we weren't prepared for. We know what that feeling is like. And here in this story, we see that's exactly what Mary has. She has a burden that is placed on her shoulders that she cannot handle on her own. And she has a big decision to make here. How will you respond when life punches you in the gut? How will you respond when something happens that you are not anticipating? What kind of effect is it going to have on you when it feels like the world and your dreams and your goals and everything that you had planned comes crumbling down around you? In this story, Mary does three things when she is faced with a struggle that she did not see coming and that she could not bear on her own. And I want to share those things with you. After that news, I mean, can you imagine what you would have said, how you would have reacted, what you would have done? After that news, here's what Mary did. 12, 13-year-old girl, 
visited by an angel that just found out she's pregnant. In verse 38, it says, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your words to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. If you find yourself carrying a burden and struggling with something that is really hard for you to bear, here's the first thing I want you to jot down. Uh, What Mary did in verse 38 was this. Mary focused on her next step. Mary focused on whatever her next step is. Every person in here has a next step in their relationship with God. For some of you, it's a big step. For some of you, it's a very small step. But every person has a next step. And here's what happens oftentimes when we are hit with news that seems to shatter our world. We begin to look five years down the line. 10 years down the line. How is this going to affect me then? How is it going to affect my retirement? How is it going to affect my future marriage? How is it going to affect me when I turn 60, when I turn 80? Like, how is this going to affect me? And I love that instead of letting her mind race towards what was going to happen in the future and every possible scenario that could have been negative for Mary, here's what Mary did. All right, God, I'll take the first step today. If that's true, if that's the plan and the purpose that you have for my life, and I'm just going to accept it, and I'm going to trust you today. I don't know where the baby's going to be born. I don't know how I'm going to afford it. I don't know how I'm going to tell Joseph or my parents. I don't know what this is going to do to me socially or relationally. All of this is hitting me like a freight train right now. But God, I'm going to trust you. Instead of trying to figure out what was on down the road, Mary just said, I am a servant. Whatever you want to do, God, I'm going to follow you. I'm inspired by the fact that Mary did not complain. Mary did not get mad at God. Mary did not try to justify it. Mary did not say, this isn't fair. I can't believe you let this happen to me. Like she didn't slap the angel in the face and say, how dare you go to somebody else's house? She didn't do any of that. In a sense of being hit with something that was completely taxing and overwhelming, she just looked and said, all right, God, I'm gonna trust you. And today, I'm gonna take a step. And tomorrow, I don't know what tomorrow holds, and I don't know what it's going to demand of me, and I don't know what, what barriers I'm going to face, but tomorrow, I'll take another step, and I'll be obedient today, and I'll be obedient tomorrow, and I'll be your servant the next day, and I'm just going to take this one day at a time. That, that was Mary's response. Uh, I'll just take the next step, God, whatever the next step is. I don't have to know what step 10 is. Just tell me what step one is, and I'll take it, and I'll trust you that you'll supply my needs today, that you'll give me mercies for today, that you'll give me what I need for today. Verse 39, at that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zechariah's home and she greeted Elizabeth. Remember what the angel told Mary? The angel told Mary, your aunt, your cousin Elizabeth, is actually gonna have a baby as well, even though she's super old right now. Here's the second thing that that Mary did that I want to challenge you on, man. Please get this. When Mary was handed something that she could not carry on her own, the second thing Mary did is Mary leaned in to godly relationships. When she was hit with this news that she could not handle and needed help with it, she did not isolate herself. You ever notice how that sometimes happens when we have struggles in our life? Instead of being open and honest with it, 
We're worried that people will judge us, that people, if we admitted that we struggle with anxiety or depression or any other mental illness, we're worried that people will look at us and treat us differently, that people will cast us out, that they'll push us away. And so we would rather suffer in silence. Just put on a happy face. Don't share it with anybody. And here's what we do. Because we can't be real with anybody, we isolate ourselves. And instead of opening up our lives to be surrounded by people that love God, that will encourage us and help us and remind us of who's in control, that will be along the journey with us, too often people will close the doors and suffer by themselves. This is always intriguing to me and heartbreaking to me as a pastor. Occasionally I'll find somebody, I'll be looking around the room and it'll dawn on me, I haven't seen so-and-so for a while. And I'll reach out to them and give them a call. And you'd be surprised how many times I interact with people that haven't been here in a while. And the story is always the same. Like, and I just got to be honest with you, Pastor Nathan, like I'm just in a rough spot right now. Something's happened with my family or financially or I lost my job and I'm just really struggling. I'm really hurting. I'm depressed about it. I have no idea what the future is going to hold. Just anxious and, and suffering from anxiety and panic attacks and and, and their response to that was, instead of leaning in, instead of coming and surrounding themselves with people that might be able to help them and encourage them, they just decided to close the door and be alone. And here's what happens. Uh, isolation, that anxiety and that suffering leads to isolation, with it, which then leads to depression. And it's a snowball effect from there. Mary could have very easily taken this bad news and shut herself off from the world. And could have allowed her mind and her heart and soul to go to a dark place. But I love the fact that she got up and went to see Elizabeth, a godly woman. And went to see her husband, a godly man, so that they could support her during this time. So they could be journeying on alongside her. That, that overwhelming feeling can lead to loneliness, even during a time of year when everybody's supposed to be together. Loneliness then leads to depression Would you be willing to open up about what's on your heart and soul right now? Would you be willing to surround yourself with people that would be willing to help you, not judge you, but help you and support you, to call you and rally around you? I'm so glad that Mary went to Elizabeth's house here when she got the worst, the most overwhelming news of her life. Last verse is in verse 56. After Mary spent some time uh, with Elizabeth, verse 56 says, Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months, and then she returned home. Now go back to what the angel told Mary. She said, Mary, your cousin here, is uh, six months pregnant. And Mary says, stayed with Elizabeth for three months after that. And can you imagine what that three months would have been like for Mary? She has Elizabeth, who is, scholars tell us, could be approximately 60 years old. 60-year-old woman is six months pregnant. Um, and Mary stays with her for three months after that. Um, we're, we're to believe that those last three months of pregnancy, Elizabeth was there. Well, what was Elizabeth doing? It was the third point that I want to ask you to jot down. Um, when Mary was hit with this news and completely overwhelmed and anxious about the future... Mary decided to serve others. She did not isolate herself. Uh, she didn't sit in a room and think about how hard her life was. Uh, she, she didn't just 
dwell on the negative aspects of her life. What she decided to do was to have a life that was outwardly focused. You know, that, that can be a struggle with mental health, that we can begin to isolate ourselves and we begin to think through all of the negative scenarios. And we think, well, what if this happens? And once that happens, well, what if this happens? And then once that happens, well, what if it leads to that? And it's the same thing as what happens if you have like a cramp in your leg and you look it up on WebMD. Eventually you're gonna die. WebMD is gonna tell you you're gonna die. Well, that's what our isolation does. We begin to think about the, the mental illness. We begin to think about the depression and the anxiety and the isolation. And we get to the point where we're just like, it's over. It's hopeless. There's, there's no one that loves me. There's nothing I can do. My lot is sealed. This life is going to be terrible. But in that moment, uh, Elizabeth uh, was pregnant and Mary decided to go serve her. Now, again, I, I've, I've been around a pregnant gal twice, <laughs> And I know what months six through nine is like. And I can imagine for Mary, she was spending time serving her cousin. Hey, put your feet up, Elizabeth. I'll do the dishes. I'll cook the meals. I'll clean the house. Come on, I'll rub those feet. Good grief, these things are swollen. You need an ice bag on these. Like, I'll help you. I'll serve you. I mean, pregnancy's hard enough. 60-year-old woman, pregnant again. So instead of focusing on everything that could be going wrong in her life, Mary made the decision, I'm going to focus on others. I'm going to serve others. I'm going to dedicate my life towards others. I'm going to surround myself with people that love God that can help me move forward in my relationship with God. And I'm just going to focus just one day at a time taking the next step. I, 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 don't, I can't tell you what's going to happen in 10 years. I can't tell you when it's going to go away. I can't tell you when it's going to be any better. I can tell you this, you can say yes to Jesus today. And tomorrow you can get up and say yes to Jesus again and take the next step and trust him that he's going to work it out and trust him that, that the situation that he has is in his hands and that he has a purpose for your life and that he can use you and that you're not broken because of what's going on or what's happened to you or what you struggle with on the inside. But God can use that to help you become the man or the woman that he's called and created you to be. So Mary wrestled with that. She could have dwelled on her circumstances. She could have stayed home and thought about how unfair life is and why did this happen to me and I can't believe this and it's over and I'm doomed and nobody cares and nobody loves me and nobody even knows I'm here and nobody even cares about what I'm going through. She could have isolated herself, which could have led down a road of destruction, but instead she decided to help others, serve others, stay focused on God, take the next step of obedience and surround herself with people that could encourage her along the way. I don't know what you're carrying right now. I don't know what life has thrown your way. Uh, you might be putting on a happy face and nobody in this room knows the burden that you have. Nobody else knows what keeps you up at night. Nobody else knows what you struggle with behind closed doors. But I can tell you, you have someone in the very first Christmas story that dealt with some of the same feelings that you may be dealing with right now. And I can show you what she did. And I can show you how God used that young girl that responded in such a God-honoring way and how God used her and changed her life in what first seemed to be an impossible situation that then became the honor of her life to bring the Savior of the world into existence. And if God can use a gal like Mary that had struggles, that, that had 
things that she wrestled with, that dealt with emotions and the tolls that would have taken on her life. If God can use that and redeem it in a really powerful way in her life, then he can do it in yours too. And today it starts with taking the first step. The first step of obedience towards Jesus. For some of you, that may be your very first step in saying, hey, I'm tired of carrying this on my own. I know it is too much for me. And today is the day where not just my my situation, not just my thoughts and feelings, but I wanna give my life to Jesus. I wanna start a relationship with him. I wanna believe that he is the son of God, the savior of the world, and that he can take what I'm going through and paint an incredibly redemptive story with my brokenness. But maybe you're a follower of Jesus and you're just like everybody else. We struggle with life. We carry a a big load and there are things on your heart and that your mind that is just wearing you down. And I wanna remind you just today, your next step, you don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to have it all figured out. The next step, what is it today? Surround yourself with people that can encourage you in the Lord, that can push you forward, that can help you keep your eyes on Jesus. And look how you can serve those around you. You do those three things. And I think that's a great example how we can go through difficult circumstances in our life and honor God and still trust that he has all of this in his hand, that he's telling a story of redemption that can draw you and many others into a relationship with Jesus. Would you pray with me? God, what a story. What an incredible woman. No wonder you chose her to carry your son and to bring him into the world. God, in a season where we are obsessed with perfection, where everything looks like it's perfectly neat and in order and put together, when we struggle with so many things, God, when people put on a happy face on the outside, but we know that people are wrestling with things on the inside. God, I pray that we would be reminded that you are enough, that you are sufficient, that you are what we need. You are what we are looking for. And you can take our brokenness and tell a story of redemption. You can take our our struggles and our pain and do something not only in our lives, but through our lives to impact others. God, I know that you are the God of healing. I know that you uh, understand where every person is in this room. We are not alone. We are not outcast. So God, I pray that we would find peace in that today, that we'd have clarity in that today, that we would just be able to move forward today and take the next step in our relationship with you. God, thank you for that hope. Thank you for that peace. Thank you for that comfort that only comes through your son, Jesus. I ask and pray those things in his name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Revo podcast. We believe everyone has a next step to take in their relationship with Jesus. If you would like more information on what that means for you, or if you have any questions about today's message, please email us at info at discoverrevo.com.